By the way, if you're selling and it's gotten to procurement and that's when you're beginning the conversation, shame on you. You're getting in too late. So when you come in and you try to talk to procurement or if you wait too long to get involved with procurement to understand what's going on, don't blame them for blocking you. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Sales Genius Podcast. My name is Doug Davidoff. I am your host today. Don't forget that this podcast is just one piece of the Sales Genius Network. So if you haven't already, what are you waiting for? Get over to the salesgeniusnetwork.com, sign up, get access to the show notes to this episode plus every other episode, access to worksheets, insights, tools, webinars, workshops, all designed to help you become a sales genius, to help you accelerate customer acquisition, customer success, whether you're a business executive, entrepreneur, sales or marketing executive, salesperson, or marketer. That is salesgeniusnetwork.com. Go there now, sign up. All right, today's episode is geared a little bit more to the sales executive, sales manager side of the fence than just the direct salesperson or marketer. Though, whether you're an executive, a frontline sales executive, or a marketer, I'm going to encourage you to take the ideas that I talk about today and apply them to what you do, whether or not your company does. Now, that's an unusual thing for me to say, because I rarely believe that an individual should do something that's not completely and totally in alignment with what their organization is doing. What's the topic today? Well, it comes down to terminology. Here's the thing. There is a tremendous amount of conversation recently about eliminating friction from the sales, marketing, customer acquisition, customer success process. Some of that is certainly fueled by the uh, announcements that HubSpot made going into their 2019 inbound festival. Yes, I added festival. Um, a lot of it is because technology has it has and is having more and more impact every day and while the idea of technology is designed to increase efficiencies and velocity and eliminate friction, all too often it's actually increasing friction. Today, I'm going to talk about a cause of friction that I think gets, well, it doesn't get any attention, frankly. It, it, it's one of these invisible things that leads to misalignment and creates friction and well, very rarely will this show up on any analysis from any consultant as to the major causes for an organization to fail to meet their, their objectives. I've learned that it's almost always present when things don't work. If I were to share the biggest lesson that I've learned in the last decade helping growth-focused organizations build, it's the tremendous, crucial importance of structure and how more than anything else, structure is the invisible hand that, that guides action. Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, what you are, speak so loudly, I can't hear what you say. Structure speaks so loudly that people on your team can't hear what you say. Now, the good news is more attention is being paid to structure than ever before. But, but the reason that structure is so difficult to 
get a handle on. And, and the reason that it's so invisible is so many aspects of structure are the things well, that we don't pay attention to. They're the things that we take for granted. And, and yeah, I get it. That's what makes it hard. How much time do you spend paying attention to the things that you don't pay attention to? Yeah, the question doesn't even make sense. And I'm going to talk about terminology today. I'm going to talk about the words that we use. And any study of social science, of behavioral science, identifies just how important words that we use matter. And specifically today, I'm going to talk about how we refer to the people that are involved at the customer side in the business that we're trying to do. This is stimulated a little bit from the work that I'm doing with HubSpot and their project management team as they're building out a more robust account-based, account-focused marketing and sales functionality. I got into a pretty in-depth Slack conversation with, with the head of the product around buying roles and what should we call them. And then this morning, HubSpot came out with a blog post, How to Identify Gatekeepers, Decision Makers, Influencers, and Blockers. And here's the thing that you'll actually never see in a sales process that, that we roll out, um, if we're able to roll out a sales process fully and completely. You'll never see us use the term gatekeeper. You'll never see us use the term decision maker, influencer, blocker, or any of those terms when we describe the roles. Well, well why is that? There's a couple of reasons for that. First off, they're not roles. They're not actually buying roles. Lots and lots of attention gets paid to the idea of how the seller and the buyer need to be in alignment today. And we talk about how that misalignment is bigger and more disruptive than ever before. Yet, if we look at the terminology that terms like decision maker, gatekeeper, blocker, even influencer, if we look at where those terms came to be, they are about as old a relic of traditional legacy sales processes as anything out there. They go back to the days when sellers took a very seller-centered approach. We, we talked about decision makers from the standpoint of qualification. Are they qualified or not? Is that the decision maker or not? Salespeople today ask the question, are you the person responsible for, or are you the decision maker for, or who makes the decisions regarding? Outside of the fact that there are few terms or questions that we could use that would put us in more of an adversarial position with somebody, that, that would make the person that we're talking to feel less appreciated, less valuable than terms like that, it, it doesn't stick to the reality of the world that we live in from a buying process today. In the vast, vast, vast majority of situations, there is no one person who makes decisions. By the way, one of the biggest changes on the sales side or on the buy side is even those executives who may technically have the ability to make a decision, to decide over everything else to do something, what the research shows with growing frequency is those people want sellers to build support and consensus within their organization. 
consensus decisions are are a driving factor. Now, now, yeah, some consensus decisions break down like decision by committee. And as my mom told me when I was young, she asked me, what's a camel? A camel is simply a horse made by committee. And, and, and yeah, consensus decision-making can lead to horses being built by committee. But to, to simply say all consensus decision-making is bad, that, that's a short-sighted, inaccurate statement on, on the part of sellers. Sellers don't like consensus purchasing because it makes things more difficult. It slows down the process. We have to work harder. We have to think more. So, so even the role decision-maker... It's not a role. Gatekeeper. It's not a role. I mean, yeah, I get it. We call somebody a gatekeeper, but there are very, very few people who would take pride in saying, when someone says, oh, what's your job? They would say, I'm a gatekeeper. And certainly, blocker is not a role. Right. So, so not only are they not roles, they build an adversarial relationship by nature. Right? The whole conversation, are you the decision maker or not? By the way, the moment we identify you as the decision maker, so even if you are, you are now the decision maker. Well, you tell me another way that, that you could more clearly communicate to somebody that they're the mark. You know, I don't know. Right. Blocker. Who wants to work with a blocker? You know, there was an interesting experiment I learned about many, many years ago, and it dealt with um, a bunch of students in elementary school. And, and these students were assigned going from one grade to, the other gr- to another grade, and one group of students was defined as the exceptional students, one group was defined as the average students, and one group was defined as the poor students. And so the teachers were told which of the groups were the exceptional, average, and poor. A year later... They assessed the performance of those three groups, and lo and behold, the exceptional group outperformed the other two groups significantly, and the poor group lagged tremendously. But here's the catch. The students were randomly assigned to those groups, simply telling the teachers that this group was exceptional and this group was poor led to a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you label somebody as a blocker, if you label somebody as a gatekeeper, here's what I can tell you. They're going to be difficult to work with. And the salesperson is going to struggle to get through them because nobody wants to embrace a blocker or a gatekeeper. Now, yeah, we can talk about all these strategies around make the gatekeeper your friend, except that sentence doesn't make any sense, right? And, and, and we all know that. Uh, who wants to make the gatekeeper your friend? If we're doing that, we're, we're communicating that we're being tactical. Hey, I'm going to make the gatekeeper my friend because I have to. Now, I get it. I know we don't mean that. And I know that consciously, the vast majority of salespeople aren't even thinking that. But the truth of the matter is, when we use terms especially terms that create descriptions, we can't turn off our brains. The the subconscious pull, the nudge, with the terms that we use are going to have a disproportional impact to how we work with those people. 
you see, what we teach and what I would encourage everybody listening to this podcast to do is, is to view the world through the lens of the people that you're talking to. Right? If, if you want to talk about roles, understand what is their role. No, no one's job is out there to block good things from happening. No one's out there to keep great things from reaching their boss. Right? Everyone's out there. Well, I don't want to say everyone. 98 to 99% of the people in the world are out there trying to do the best thing that they can do. And when we're selling to them or when we're marketing to them, if, if we view them through the lens of a quote-unquote buying role that is seller-centric, then you can't expect them to treat you as the helper that you claim to be. You see, the moment you start using terms like that, you are an always-be-closing sales organization. You are an always-be-closing salesperson. You may profess your desire to always be helping. You may profess your desire to just help people make good decisions. You may profess your desire that you're there to help people eliminate important problems. And by the way, all of those things are generally true. But the language that you're using puts you at odds with that. It programs your brain. It programs your approach and candidly their approach to create that adversarial situation. The solution to this is empathy. The solution to this is just a little bit more thought. What is the role that someone plays? Now, now we've identified four roles that are, that are always present. Some people may play more than one role. Sometimes you may have more than one person in a role. And those roles, as a general rule, are there's a results owner. That's the person responsible for the result. There's a process owner. Those, that's the person or people responsible for managing the process that exists. There's an integrator role. That's the person responsible for making sure that whatever's done in, in the area of the business that you're going to impact integrates and aligns with other things. There's a financial role. There's somebody who has to own the budget. There's someone who has to make sure that the resources last to do the various things that an organization needs to do. Now, I'm going to talk about the results owner versus the process owner. And by the way, one of the most common things that we see is that the decision maker gets referred to as the results owner, that the results owner is code word for decision maker, and that the blocker, more often than not, is a process owner. And and the reason that the blocker behaves like a blocker is 99 times out of 100 because we're not speaking the right way to them. Process people are responsible for managing the process. Process people are responsible for managing the status quo. Their job is to get incremental improvement from the status quo. If, if my job is to manage the status quo, I can tell you this. What I don't think about on a day-to-day, week-to-week, or month-to-month basis is change. It's the worst thing that I could think about. Hell, if you're thinking about change, I do not want you in charge of my status quo. And so if you're talking to a process owner about the value of a change, you're, you're speaking the wrong language to them. Yeah, they're going to block it because their job is to protect the status quo. You know, and, and very often, it's the process owner who has to live with the cost of change 
And it's the results owner who gets the benefit from the change. Right. So if I'm the supply chain manager, my job is to manage the supply chain. I don't actually own the result of eliminating one point of cost structure. And by the way, if you talk to me about that, that might scare the you-know-what out of me. If you're talking to me as the process owner, you have to demonstrate an understanding that, that you understand my status quo. You understand what are the core things that make it work. As you help me understand that, you make me more comfortable, which makes me open to that change that you may want to talk about. The integrator's role, another very common blocker, the integrator's role is to make sure that everything works. And yeah, that means they don't like outliers. So you come in and you're going to make something from, you know, okay to wonderful. And, and that might be true, but they're thinking about the upstream, the downstream, and the sidestream impacts. You have to understand what are those impacts. And, and let me tell you, if you've ever had a nightmare or you've ever had anxiety, compare that, that imagination of anxiety to reading a book that's scary to watching a movie that's scary. But when I was a kid, I read the book Cujo, and I got to tell you, that dog was the scariest creature in the world. Then I saw the movie, and it was just a big St. Bernard. Right? When you're talking to a process owner or an integrator, and you're not making it clear what the state of change may look like, you're talking Cujo to them. And yeah, they're going to block. Yeah, they're going to gatekeep. Because that's their job. The same thing's true of procurement. And, and I get it. Procurement and legal, by the way. I get it. They're the Department of Sales Prevention half the time. They're the Department of Results Prevention. It, it feels that way. Until you look at the world through their eyes. By the way, if you're selling and it's gotten to procurement, and that's when you're beginning the conversation, shame on you. You're getting in too late. You see, procurement's job is to deliver something within the specifications set by somebody else. So when you come in and you try to talk to procurement, or if you wait too long to get involved with procurement to understand what's going on, don't blame them for blocking you when what you tried to do was avoid them. Here's the craziest thing that I've learned. Buyers treat sellers the way sellers truly treat buyers. Buyers commoditize you because you commoditize them. Buyers don't dig deep with you, most often because you don't dig deep with them. If you take an authentic approach to align with them effectively, you'll see that buyers will behave very, very differently. And, and that's why we don't use terms like blocker, decision maker, gatekeeper, etc. Good, good, bad, bad. Those things set in adversarial nature. By the way, it's another reason why I don't use the word battle card. I got to tell you, if I could get rid of one thing in, in the sales world today, I would make it illegal to use the word battle card. Why? Well, first off, it's not a battle. We have got to stop over-inflating the adversarial nature of what we're doing. You see, if I'm going to look at my competitor through the lens of a battle, and therefore I'm going to make a battle card, then 
I am not solving for the customer. I am solving to beat the enemy. The enemy is my competition, whether it's good or bad. And yes, I get it. I'm exaggerating consciously. But, but make no mistake about it. If you want to know what your culture is, listen to the words that your salespeople use. Listen to how your salespeople describe your customers. Right? When we're using terms like this, we're building an adversarial structure into what we're doing. And so everything else we do, our, our modern digital marketing effort, our demand generation focused on valuable content, our sense-making sales effort, our consultative approach, those are all things that, that are visible. They're the big chunks. But what I'm talking about here, which I get, you know, if you're still listening, because I know a lot of people are like, okay, this, Doug, you've gone a little bit overboard. But, but these are the invisible things that, that what you have to understand is these are the barnacles, right? Structure and alignment and eliminating friction. Eliminating friction isn't about the big things so much as it is the invisible barnacles, and, and yeah, if you do one of these things, it's no big deal. Just like if you have one barnacle on your boat, it's no big deal. But who has just one barnacle on your boat? Right? If you don't constantly eliminate the barnacles from your boat, they're going to multiply and they're going to sink the ship. The words that we use, the terminology, the process orientation, how we refer to our competitors, how we refer to our tool set. Those are the invisible things that typically don't get a lot of thought that have a disproportionate impact on how your team is going to behave and what it truly feels like to be on the buy side of an interaction with you or your organization. That is this edition of the Sales Genius Podcast Until next time, go out and be a sales genius.